Tim Hunter as well. 94 Ooh. Cup Finals. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button right there. We're dropping them in. I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good, thanks. I'm Ryan. This is Mike. Hi, thanks. Ryan. I'm Mike. Thanks for coming on with us. We really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Is Patter coming on? He's supposed to be, yep. How's my view? Is it all right? You want it closer, further away? What? No, it's perfect. You want too close. You don't want it to too close when it's me. My nose will be right in your eye. Hey, bud. He's got the same nose. <laughs> Nobody's got the same nose as me. <laughs> I've, had mine busted. I've had mine busted a few times through hockey and getting beat up at the bar once. Yeah, that's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, you know, one time we uh, ran into you. We ran into you, we were at the Giants game, and we were coming out of the Giants game, and I, I, I ran into you and tried to get a picture, and I mentioned Wayne Van Dorp to you, and you told me, well, I, my autograph's worth something, not Wayne Van Dorp. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dorpy's such a great guy. I just love him. He, what a great guy. Um, played with him in Seattle. I played with him in Quebec, and... Uh, just a fun guy, you know. All right, Tim, we're just going to ask you a bunch of questions about hockey. Cool. Uh, so what made you get into hockey in the first place? You know, um, that's a good question. My, my dad um, came from England, came over to uh, North America from England when he was uh, like 21. He went down to Australia and did a bunch of traveling and then he decided that he wanted to come to Canada. So he came through uh, New York and uh, landed in New York and he was in New York for a little while and he went to a New York Ranger game in like 1952. And uh, my dad grew up a soccer player. He was from Newcastle, this little town uh, west of Newcastle called Stanley. And, uh, he saw a hockey game. He thought, wow, that's a pretty good game. It's got some violence in it, which you can't get enough of in soccer. And uh, he said, if I ever have boys, they're going to play hockey. So fast forward, you know, he meets my mom and, and he's got three boys and I'm the youngest and they, we all go through hockey. And uh, so that was it, you know, and, for me, like the, the start to end was not the, well, part of the start to end was his 65th birthday was just a short time after we won the cup in Calgary in 1989. So I flew him out to, to Montreal, was in the forum, got uh, pictures, drinking out of the cup in the dressing room. And then when we went to the finals with Vancouver in 94, it was his 70th birthday in New York. So I flew him out to New York, had a buddy go out with them. My, my wife couldn't go out. And uh, 
he was so thrilled. We went out uh, the night before the game. You know, you usually have a team meal at the hotel with the team, and I kind of begged out a little bit. I had a little bit to eat, and then I, but I took my dad to Smith and Walensky's in New York. Took him for a big steak dinner in New York, and uh, he was so proud of me and everything. And so it was pretty cool for him to be in Madison Square Gardens where his dream started. And uh, that was his uh, 70th birthday. So kind of cool. So that's how I got into hockey. And that's a hell of a building too, Madison Square Garden. So it's good to have your stories all circle back. Yeah. And uh, I, I um, last time I was in Madison Square Garden, they were partly done the, the renovations in he added a bunch of new sky boxes and everything. And I was with the Capitals as assistant coach. We were playing in the playoffs in 2012. And I went out to kind of see the first time I was back there um, to see the, you know, kind of the rink and everything. And they had it all decorated for the playoffs, the, all the bunting around. And I went out to take, take a look and I was standing there taking a look and, and, um, um, you know, I, I was just gazing around and, uh, um, I got this great photo of me from behind taking this, uh, taking this look at MSG and, um, it's pretty cool. It's one of my favorite pictures. Um, you know, it's, uh, a famous, uh, photographer took it he's a he's a guy he's out of new york and and i'm dragging the question along because i can't remember his goddamn name right now <laughs> and it'll come to me because you know it's a shame i can't remember his name but uh, famous new york he every photo anybody takes in the nhl his name's attached to it and it'll come to me oh, is it as getty? we go along is it, is, Pardon? It, is it a getty image it's a getty image and he works for getty and it's uh God, I, God, I can't. He's a white-haired guy. Every photo in the NHL, his name's attached to. Oh, I can't believe it'll, I can't remember his name. It'll come to you. Why did you? Yeah. Uh, why did you wear nineteen? Well, I was a defenseman playing my my whole minor hockey and junior career. I played defense as a junior player in Seattle, and I usually wore number three. And, um. Drafted by the Atlanta Flames as a defenseman, played in Seattle as a defenseman. And, you know, a couple of years in the minors. And Cliff Fletcher said to me, you know, Tim, I think you're going to be best suited to be a forward because, you know, we're going to expand from 19 players to 20 players. So we're going to add a player to the roster. This is in 78 or 79. He was in Seattle. 79, between 79 and 80 when he was in Seattle after I'd been drafted already. He said, you know, um, you might think about forward a little bit. So I play defense in Birmingham. And then I got called up to Calgary and I played left wing. And I'm like, okay, never played left wing in my life. Playing the Flyers <laughs> one night, Boston Bruins the next night. So, um, you know, I was like, well, so, okay. You know, and, and, you know, human nature, you do what you can get away with. You do what helps you survive. And I thought if I can create a niche for myself and be a forward and be a, a tough guy, 
you know, um, so I go back to Birmingham and um, John Brophy says to me, he says, you know, Tim, he says, you, you got two choices. And I think number one, he says, you could be the meanest, toughest, best defenseman in the Central Hockey League, or you could be, um, he says, you could be the best defenseman in the Central League, or you'd be the meanest motherfucker in the Central League. He says, I think number two is your, your route. So um, the next year I'm in Oklahoma playing for Tom McVie, get called up. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? I, I compete, I care. And I think if I could just learn to play better, contribute, I can do both. And my goal was not just to be a guy that didn't play, went out there and, you know, did those, you know, those stage fights. I mean, I never did any of that. I played. I wanted to play. I was a player. I grew up idolizing Bobby Orr and Keith Magnuson. Bobby Orr because he was a great player. Keith Magnuson because he was really tough. And I wanted to be able to contribute. And I thought, I'm, not, I'm only going to do this if I can play. And lucky enough, you know, Bob Johnson, Terry Chris, Pat Quinn, those guys allowed me to become a better player and I got to be able to play a regular shift and uh, really enjoyed my career as opposed to just being that tough guy, going over the boards. You know, I, I, ne I never got told, hey, you got to go fight this guy, you got to go fight that guy. If a coach ever said, you know, you got to go fight so-and-so, I would have said, well, if you want him fought so bad, you can fight him yourself. Because I would never do that. I kind of realized as a teammate, as a hockey player, what the signs were and what the right time and place was. What was your fondest memory, having Crispy as your coach? The, uh, we had Theo Fleury on on Thursday, and uh, he basically told me having Crispy as his coach was a great memory. Crispy's a great guy. You know, Crispy, Crispy um, he knew how to motivate in the old, old, I guess the old-fashioned way, the old-time hockey way, kind of a little bit of Neanderthal hockey but you know it was what he knew and uh he made us perf we were perfect at coming out of our own end because that was the most important thing to him if you can't get out of your own end how are you gonna have fun at the other end so we practiced breakouts to no end we we were like a machine getting out of our own end i was a machine getting pucks around the boards taking pucks around the boards getting pucks and chipping them to my centerman or making plays or getting them and skating. I knew I did my homework before I got the puck and, and he taught me all those things. It was, it was unbelievable. But Crispy, Crispy was really hard on the best players. And um, he let us, you know, foot soldiers, Poplinski, Patterson, myself, kind of find our way and never said much to us. And, and we helped lead the team. But, you know, my favorite story about Crispy is – you know, he'd be hard on Joe Mullen and Gary Suter and Al McGinnis. And, and uh, those guys would be like, oh, my God, Jesus, this guy is just driving me crazy. so hard on me. And I knew his modus operandi. 
um, you know, if the best players were driven, the best players are going, they'd carry everyone else along. So one time we go in to see Crispy and we're like, geez, Crispy, you know, he like some guy would like Suter would make a mistake and he'd come down and he'd, he'd say, Riser, if I ever put that guy out again, you come down here and knock me out. Just knock me out. Like, knock me out cold. If I put him on the guys again in this game, he's playing terrible. He's another giveaway. Just knock me out. And we go, so we go in to see Crispy Lanny and Pep and I, and we said, Crispy, like, uh, seriously, like, Joe Mullen, like, he goes to the net like a madman. Suter, like, guys blocking shots, and, and, you know, you can't say stuff like that. And we tell him what he's saying, and Crispy, he'd go, I said that? Like, really? I said, oh, geez, I don't remember that. So, you know, it's just kind of his way, but, Crispy uh, knew what he was doing. He knew how to motivate, and that was his way of doing things. And in those days, work. It doesn't work nowadays, but in those days, it did. And we knew how to carry the message from him. And um, the number one thing is you look at any team that's ever been successful, regardless of sport, you interview all those guys on those teams, and they're going to tell you one thing. We were close. We cared for each other. We'd go to the battle for each other. We'd go through a wall for each other. We'd do anything for each other because we were close. And that's what we were in Calgary. And that's what winning is all about. And Crispy knew how to instill and drive those qualities into us so we cared for each other. That's what his, that was his job. Yeah, when we had Theo Fleury on on Thursday, he said nothing of good things about Tim Hunter and Colin Patterson, who's just joining us right now. Welcome, Colin. Hank, sorry I'm a little late, a little technical difficulties, but we're here. Hey, that's okay. Thank you very much for having the time to come out and talk to us today. We appreciate it. Huntsy, how we doing? I'm doing great, Patter. I'm just, I'm just, you're talking about technical difficulties and a guy that put, I don't know how many hockey players was through a TikTok video <laughs> passing a Stanley Cup. And you talk, maybe you should have had Stephanie awesome. get you on tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, saw that, I saw that video too, and that was awesome. Yeah, it worked out really well. There's close to 3 million views of that video. Wow. Wow. Hey, yeah. Colin, we were just talking about Crispy. You want to give us a Crispy story? Oh, there, there's lots of Crispy stories. Uh, and, I, you know, I, it was, he's a great guy. Um, and I, I've had the pleasure of seeing him last couple of years, so it's been great. But I remember one time he and I got into this FU battle on the ice during practice. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the coaches are, you know, they, they're thinking one thing and, and saying the other, and he wanted me to do something. I was like, F you. And he goes, no, F you. And then we started going back and forth, and at the end he goes, are you going to do it? I go, okay. So I did the drill. And I was like, I don't know what, you know, why we got into it, but we did. But, you know, emotions get high at times, and you say stuff. But, you know, we laugh about it now. But he was a great guy. And I also remember we were in Buffalo one time, playing in Buffalo. And I grew up in Toronto, so all my buddies would come down to Buffalo. And one of my buddies, Chevy, was just hammered. Like, just hammered beyond belief after the game. And somehow got on the bus. And he was talking to Crispy. 
and the guys are like, are there no jails in Rexdale? You know, get this guy off. <laughs> so I came on the bus and I had to get Chevy off and, and Crispy still talks about him till this day. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your buddy who came on the bus? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good story as well. The, um, the 89 cup run, that's a hell of a story as well. Theo actually said that you guys could definitely have had two or three more. Well, yeah, you know, yes and no. I mean, it just, it was always tough because, you know, um, keeping a group of guys together and what a group that Cliff put together with, you know, you had on that team that won the Stanley Cup, there are six guys that either at that point before or after scored 50 goals. And I don't know if the Oilers even had that in their heyday. Um, mind you, they got six Hall of Famers. We don't. But, um, you know, putting a team together, we learned to lose in 86. Um, you know, we had guys like John Tonelli teach us and, uh, um, and then getting Rammer and Wammer and, and solidifying our team, killer. Um, you know, and then just like I mentioned earlier, and Pat, or you were on, and I was talking about how Crispy – knew how to bring us all together to make us kind of internalize and um, play for each other and kind of hate him a little bit at the same time. Um, and that was the key. It's, it's like today. I mean, I could, I, could, I could look across and see Pattern and go, there's a guy I, I went to war with. He's a terrific guy. He was a hell of a player. He did a great job in the playoffs, scored some big goals. and we got lasting friendship for, for life. We're indelible because we're on the Stanley Cup together because we cared about each other, played in the same team. That goes down the line. Lanny, Dana Merzen, Jamie McCowan, all these guys, you always have that special bond. And I think um, it, wasn't, it, didn't, it didn't happen overnight. I remember back in the early 80s when I was drafted to the Flames and Jim Bablinski tells this story, and, I, and Al McNeil said it to me a number of times. He said, you know, um, we're trying to change this team. Um, we got a lot of characters, but we don't have a lot of character. And you guys, you, Pep, you guys are the guys that are going to be the future. Um, you know, so we want to build something that's special. And, you know, uh, through through it all, all the little pieces, parts and pieces here and there, you know, adding Theo in in January, you know, we were kind of a little bit stale. We had seen him at training camp. He had such a great training camp. We were like, God, this guy should be on our team. And But we had roster uh, issues, changing parts here and there. And finally he was added to the team and kind of just woke us up a little bit to compete a little harder and to care a little bit more. And, uh, you know, it all kind of came together. Yeah, it sure did. It was a hell of a run. My favorite memory as a kid is Seal Fleury sliding across the ice on his knees. Cause I'm five feet tall and about 140 pounds and I play beer league like he does. <laughs> that was a, I mean, that was a fabulous goal. And uh, that took us into game seven, I think in 1990 or 91. Um, but yeah, Theo was a great player and, um, you know, as Huntsy said, 
it, it took a long time to build that that team and things don't happen overnight and yeah you know you have to stay the course and and cliff fletcher did and i don't think there's enough you know good things that are said about cliff fletcher and the job he did in calgary and and building not only a strong team but a great group of people that you know were committed to the city of calgary and the community and doing stuff within the community and huntsy was you know i mean we're all there but uh, you think of the number of things that we did, you know, for the community um, while we were playing. I mean, we go on the road for 10 days. And back in the old days, it wasn't like you had a ton of Western teams. You go on the road and you were gone for you know, probably a minimum of 10 days, come home and you're playing every other night. And then a lot of the, you know, off nights, we'd be doing charity work, you know, for either, uh, you know, a major charity or just individual community stuff. So I think, you know, you look at Cliff, you look at the owners and, and what they represented and what they brought to our team. And that's why, you know, when you bring guys like that to the team, they can get in very quick and, and be part of a, a good organization. But getting back to Theo's about, you know, could have won two or three and we could have, and we, you know, we could easily won in 86 and, you know, things happen. You realize how fortunate you are and how some of the small things that do happen make a big difference. And, you know, it's a goal here or a play here or somebody gets injured or, you know, somebody's not having a great series. Uh, that can have a big effect. And, uh, but, you know, when we think of 89 and how close we came to, to losing in game seven against Vancouver, uh, boy, that's, you know, you're, you know, an inch away from, you know, not winning a cup and having that team probably, you know, traded away probably a lot of guys if we didn't win that year. Yeah, you know where my heart lies, though, right? <laughs> I see it. <laughs> hey, Colin, you played on a line with uh, Mullen and Gilmore, and you were regarded as the unsung hero on the team, playing a grinding defensive game to generate opportunities for your teammates. Must have been amazing playing with these, those two guys. Yeah, it was uh, you know a dream come true. It was sort of like riding the wave, and the guys in the team had a great nickname for that line, too. They called it Doug Gilmore and Joe Mullen. <laughs> but it was it was a pleasure playing with them and I think one thing that's not said enough about those guys is that they were very good defensive players I you know the big thing was if you know if I get the puck and just get it to them anywhere on the ice they were getting it in the other team's end and you know a lot of times scoring goals and you know Joe Mullen was unbelievable an amazing shot and and Doug Gilmore obviously a, you know, a tremendous player but great playmaker, but he was a very good defensive forward too. And I think people tend to forget that, you know, when you look at his career and the stats he had, but he was a, a tremendous defensive forward. And we led the league that year in plus minus uh, three of us. Uh, uh, Joe Mullen was first, I think a plus 40 or plus 50. Doug Gilmore was second, I think a plus 47. I think I was third with plus 45. So wow. we had a really good line and when we were on the ice and, you know, as I said, you just get those guys a puck and, and magic can happen. I got a question for Tim here. We'll start with that run against, in 94 playoffs, the Pavel Burry goal against Calgary. Uh, what was that like being on the on the team when that happened? Because that stand, I'm a huge Pavel Burry fan. I've been my whole life. Him and Theo Fleury are my two favorite players. So that goal meant a lot to me as well. And, what was it like? Well, not unlike, yeah, not unlike the goal uh, we scored to beat Vancouver uh, when I was in Calgary in 89. Like Patter said, like, you know, we were uh, 
you know, I remember you were playing Vancouver, and I, I don't know, Pat or I, you maybe can remind me, but I think it was after game six yeah. in Vancouver that Pat or uh, Cliff came, came on the bus and, like, seriously, boys. And he, he closed the door, no coaches, nobody, just Cliff and the whole team and just give it to us and said, you know, I believe in you guys. I put you guys together, but like, come on already. And um, so to the 94 series, um, we weren't, we weren't a high seed team. Calgary's a high seed in that playoff series, but we had put together a pretty good finish, uh, made some deals, got some players, Pat had done some, uh, touches to finish the team up and getting Jeff Brown and different guys. And we felt we had a pretty good team, but we had the same thing. We had a very, very close group. Um, you know, you, you'll go through your career and you'll play with hundreds and hundreds of guys if you play 10 years. And you'll remember probably 40 or 60 if you go to the finals one or two times. And that's the guys that you win with. And those guys in Calgary in 86, 89, and 94 are always there because you remember them because you went to the ultimate uh, challenge with them. But, you know, Pavel was – he was uh, – he was scary good. Like, he did things every day or every game that you watched him play that you never saw before. Like – he didn't do them like five games in a row and it worked. He just did it one time and it worked. You know, and um, Jeff Brown, special player, you know, we, we makes a pass. Uh, Vernie had, um, you know, um, played a hell of a series. Yeah, he had. Um, you know, it, it was a – Calgary was tough. I knew it was a tough uh, scenario trying to beat Calgary and my old team and – but it sure felt good because I was on the other side, obviously, for a lot of different reasons. But um, And that was a special kind of team as well. I mean, shame we didn't win, but it was pretty tough against that New York Ranger team. Hey, we're we're, we're going we're gonna to touch on those couple questions later. We're saving the good ones for the later. We're, we're going to run through that Western Conference all the way to the finals here eventually. What, what – uh, I was going to go with Colin with this one. Uh, I heard you're quite the lacrosse player. I'm huge into lacrosse. Just gonna step away from it. Okay, go for it. Yeah, I did play lacrosse. I played lacrosse my whole life, and played all the way up till I actually signed with the Calgary Flames. Uh, I played, you know, at the time the, the pro league wasn't around, but I played senior A in Brampton for the Brampton Excelsiors. Played junior in Rexdale, and then played on the Canadian national field team uh, in the '82 World Championships, and then the next year ended up signing with the Flames, and uh, so lacrosse career ended but uh, I really loved the sport I felt that you know I was always a better lacrosse player than I was a hockey player but um, you know there just wasn't money to be made in the sport at the time and uh, but yeah just I love it I love I love what the league does now I, I love the skill level of it uh, you know the field and box game are quite different but uh, there's a lot of box players that you know have come into the field or uh, the field game and vice versa and when you look at the, uh, you know, the National Lacrosse League and, and the skill level they have, it's, it's incredible. And I just, I enjoy going to the games. They've made it fun. 
Yeah, big, um, big it's, Mike. it's a great sport. And for yeah. me at the time, growing up, it's lacrosse. Yeah, lacrosse would end, hockey would start, hockey would end, lacrosse would start, and you were excited for, for every season. Yeah, big, yeah. big Mike plays a lot of lacrosse. He plays beer league on the best team in BC, usually for the seniors. Nice. But yeah, I played uh, I played junior, and then, then now I just play for fun. But uh, lacrosse is a huge part of my life. I coach nationally, and I, I raft. And, yeah, lacrosse is huge for me. Good for you. Yeah, it's did, did a great ever, sport. Did you ever play with uh, Joe Newendike? Uh Never played with Joe in lacrosse, but uh, played against his brother. Uh, okay. Two of his brothers. Yeah, his two brothers. Yeah, we have a breakaway. Every time our coach yells at us, do the Newendike. Otherwise, he's pissed off every time. <laughs> the, uh, okay, let's go, Tim Hunter. We got uh, Dallas, that elbow, Pebble Burry on Churla. That's the next round of our, that's, yeah, that, that's the next round of my questions as we work our way to the Rangers. That's one of my most favorite stories. And okay, I they just go. showed it a number of times a week or so ago. And, and, um, you know, I played Vancouver for a little bit, and um, so Pav, uh, Pat comes to me and he says, you know, Tim, uh, we want you to fight a little bit more. Like, you got to, you know, like, Pavel's getting rattled around a little bit. You need to fight a little bit more. You know, like, be a little more, you know, like, in some guys' face. And, and I'm like, well, Pat, the playoffs are coming up. And I said, you know, like, fighting in the playoffs is – non-existent in a lot of ways and it's hard to get guys to make be accountable in the playoffs i said i get that pavel's being pushed around a little bit i said but at some point pavel's got to be accountable to himself and take a little bit of charge and not take so much shit pav's a nice kid he's too good-hearted and he's got to get a little bit pissed off and give it back to him in spades and uh, Pat's like, you know, you're right. He says, well, I had the conversation with you. You you do what you can do to help here, but I'll have a conversation with Pavel. And we played Dallas, and, you know, I, I know Shane Churl. I played with him in Calgary. We had him in Calgary. And, and uh, well, another story, I'll tell you a quick story. We're <laughs> – First time Shane Sterla is in Calgary playing Vancouver. Tiger Williams, Shane's running around hitting guys, and Tiger Williams comes over to me and says, hey, tell the kid to settle down. And I said, Tiger, you tell him, and I don't think he'll like it because he's going to kick your ass. He fought Tiger Williams and kicked his ass. I, I skated by Tiger, and Tiger's going to the penalty box. I said, told you so, Tiger. <laughs> Tiger's going, jeez, that kid's tough. So fast forward. Pavel is getting abused by Shane checking line. He's chopping him. And I'm not playing on Pavel's line. So I can't get out against Shane Churla to, you know, I'm doing everything I can. I'm chirping him. But Churla's is like, good luck, Hunts. You're not going to play with Pavel, Burry. <laughs> so I'm watching, and I'm watching Pavel, and I see it, and I'm going, oh, my God. He's going to get life for that. He's going to get life. He didn't even get a penalty. Like, no call. And no, no, nothing. No suspension, nothing. Like, 
That is probably one of the worst Gordie Howe hits. Like Gordie Howe, Mark Messier, those, Mark must have learned from Gordie Howe because I saw Mark give an elbow like that one time in an exhibition game in New York. He got, he got five minutes for elbowing. He should have got life. Now, so should have Pavel. That was the mother of all elbows is what they call it. Yeah. Uh, when you signed with the Flames in 83 after university, Colin, uh, they weren't even down there to check you out. And you obviously impressed them like crazy because they were there to see some other player, I believe Jim Lang. Yeah, Jim Lang was drafted. He was on our team at Clarkson University, and he was drafted by the Flames. And, you know, my understanding of the whole situation came later from Cliff and Jack Ferrara, who uh, Jack Ferrara was the head U.S. scout, Cliff obviously the GM, and Jerry Blair, who was our, our head scout. Um, they had come to watch a tournament that we were playing in, and typically what they do is they look down, they go, who's been drafted? They scratch them off. Then they go, look at guys who are of draft age. Anybody over that, they scratch them off. And I was older. I was 22 at the time when they saw me. So, you know, ideally I, they would have scratched me right off the list. But they said uh, tonight, you know what, I think they had a hard night the night before. So uh, they were sitting in the crowd and they all decided, hey, at the end of the game, let's, you know, we're going to write a number of the guy we like, who we like the best. And they all flipped it over and had my number on it. And I had no, no idea. And so they came back the next game, watched it. And obviously when they see you once and they start following you a bit. And, and that sort of led to um, a game we played in uh, Harvard. And after the Harvard game, he's, my coach at the time, Billy O'Flaherty, was coaching Clarkson, said to me, uh, those two guys over there in trench coats want to talk to you. And I said, I thought they were with the FBI. I was like, I went over and I was like, hey, it wasn't me. I had nothing to do with it. You know? They said, no, 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 we're not with the FBI. We're actually with you know, the Calgary Flames. And I said, well, you probably want to know about Jim Lang. And I started talking about him. They go, no, we'd like to know about you. you know? I said, well, what about me? And they said, well, you know, if you'd be, for, you know, if you'd be interested in foregoing your senior year of university, we'd love to have you in the Flames organization. And that, that sort of started it. And uh, I had never thought about playing, you know, NHL or pro hockey at that point. I thought my, my time had passed. And uh, it was really interesting the next couple of weeks because our season ended and the coach called me up the office. And, you know, back in the day, it was the old dial phone and, uh, Claims made an offer, and so we phoned my parents, you know, on the phone, and he held out the phone, and my parents were on the other end. They said, don't sign. Uh, you know, schooling's too important because I had another year of university to go. Uh, and they just thought that, hey, you know what, if you end up in the minors, that's, you know, you don't want to be there. And we had known, you know, a bunch of guys that I'd grown up with or played hockey with or against that, you know, had ended up being drafted and, you know, ended up playing in the minors. And, they just didn't think that was right for me. So the Flames upped the ante and uh, they, you know, because my parents wanted me to finish school. And so the Flames agreed to pay for the rest of my schooling, which I had a year left. Um, so I went back the next three summers to, to finish my degree. And that was sort of the agreement I had with my parents. And uh, I was really fortunate. And, you know, as, as Huntsy said, they were, you know, in Calgary, they're looking at a change or, you know, changing from, you know, sort of the old regime to, to a new thing. And, you know, Badger Bob was there coaching, who was a university coach. So they're a little more open to university players. And, you know, Calgary had done a great job on getting college free agents. And, uh, you know, we had Eddie Beers, Charlie Bourgeois, 
uh, Jimmy McCallum, myself, and then Joel Otto and Gino Cavallini. So there were a, a lot of things that, you know, the Flames were able to, to do with the college free agents. And I was just fortunate enough to be there at the right time and, and catch their eye. And it's like anything, you know, it's, uh, they can come and watch you, you know, a bunch of times, but when they see you and they like you, then they'll kind of come back and give you that. You know, that look. Eddie, Eddie Beers actually works at the Port Moody Rec Center out here where we're from. Yeah. Great guy and a great player too. He was, he had great skill on he didn't he? He could score and he scored some big goals for the Flames and, in the short time that he was with them. He was a really good player. Yeah, terrific guy. Great, great guy. Really enjoyed uh, uh, Eddie. Uh, um, haven't seen him forever. I hope he's doing well. Okay, Tim, I got a question. Let's go uh, next round was the, con the conference finals, Campbell Conference finals. You played Toronto. Greg Adams got – Gus got the fucking winner. Sorry to swear. Um, Gus, got the, Gus got the winner. Uh, how was that series for you? What can you tell us about that now? Well, again, um, it was fun because, you know, uh, being in Canada, playing a Canadian team, and, uh, you know, um, my, my career was brief and mediocre, but I was in the Stanley Cup Finals four times. When you're in the Stanley Cup Finals, you get a lot of notoriety. So in 86... 89, 94, and then 97 with the Capitals. But that, that series with Toronto, um, you know, really like Tim Hunter was like a household name because half of Toronto wanted to kill me. I got in a bit of a peeing match with Pat Burns. Pat Burns said something about me when I laid out Doug Gilmore coming around. He always had his little spinorama. You drive around down the right wing around the net as a left winger, left shot. He'd spin back like he's coming back the same side, then he'd spin back and come out, and I knew it. So I'm a right winger. He's doing that, and he's coming out, and I go down to the goal post, and I just ran him out right over top. So there's a big melee. Pat Burns is next day in the paper saying, you know, Tim Hunter, this, that, and the other thing. And, at the time, Pat Burns was doing some car commercial in Toronto. And I said, you know, Pat Burns should stick to the Toyota commercials or whatever he's doing and not worry about worrying about Tim Hunter. You know, like a coach talking about some guy running, like he's not accountable. So, and he used to chirp at us. So I used to say, like, Pat, you never played the game. So how can you chirp? So it was kind of fun. Um, and, and on top of it, Cliff was the manager, and Cliff was the manager of Toronto, and uh, he's the guy that, you know, drafted me. And he was – I remember seeing him where I was out after the game, that game, uh, after the game with my family downtown. And we ran into Cliff and some of the management people, and Cliff wouldn't even look at me. Like, not even, hey, Hans, how you doing? It was like right through me. I said to Kim, I said, he's pissed. <laughs> so um, it was fun. You know, all of Canada is watching and, you know, all the Leaf fans. When you go to – when you're a Leaf and you go to Toronto or go to Vancouver, there's all kinds of Leaf jerseys in the stands, right, or Calgary or Edmonton or wherever you go. So many Leaf fans. So 
to be in that series and the win was, was really uh, kind of bittersweet in a lot of ways and kind of fun, uh, uh, you know, and uh, they had a good team, a lot of good players, but I think it just we're lucky the time was right for us. I have a one buddy that uh, as soon as I told him I was interviewing you, he's like, he see, he told me a story of one time he had a sign in the '94 playoffs as a youngster. It said, "Honk if you're horny for Hunter." <laughs> <laughs> and he, 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 they dared me to bring it up, so I brought it up. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. So yeah, you you get the nose jokes, and I, I tell you, I've heard enough in my lifetime. I'll tell no, you. that's not what he meant. It, that's not what he meant at all. Think, oh no! I think no. he meant horny, no. horny, not horny like our noses. <laughs> I got, I got, I got one too, man. Don't worry. Hey, yeah. I want to ask Tim Hunter a question because okay. one of my favorite stories is the Rob Ray one. Oh, here we go. In uh, in Vancouver. Oh, when you fought Rob, yeah. this is great. <laughs> so, the Rob Ray story when. Uh, I was involved off the ice yeah. robbery. Yeah. It was my third time involved off the ice. And I was, you know, and both, well, all three times I never got suspended or fined or anything. But so we're, we're playing in an exhibition game against Buffalo in, in Vancouver. And I'm like, how the hell is Buffalo out here? I don't know. I think they came out west and played Calgary, Edmonton, and came to Vancouver and played us. And um, late in the game, Rob Ray, and he's a tough guy, you know, not a bad player, um, coming to the bench, he's rattling Pavel's chain. And I'm sitting in the hole there by the gate where there's three or four minutes left. I'm not getting another shift, so I'm sitting there. So the regular guys can get out the gate easy. And Rob Ray's giving it to Pavel and he's coming off the ice. And and Pavel's like, go warm up the bus, pal. Like, beat it. Like, really? Like, see you in Buffalo. So Rob comes by the bench and I, I give it to him. I said, Razor, I said, what are you doing? I said, we're not gonna see you till February. And all of a sudden you've got tough. You're tough in the last two minutes of the game. Where the hell were you in the first period when you played against me? You didn't want any part of me. You never came near me. I couldn't find you at the Norton bomb site. And <laughs> where were you? Right? So he's giving me all oh, hunts. You're old. You're, you're, you're done. You're, you're, your time's been passed. And I'm like, oh, you're really tough guy. Oh, is that right? Eh? So I'm, I'm, keep going because I know the referees are coming over. I'm going, I'm going to work this. And I'm going to get us both thrown out of the game. So the refs come over and I'm just working Ray and I'm swearing and I'm just being real belligerent. So the referees throw us both out of the game. So I'm going, perfect. So in the old Coliseum, underneath the stands, you walk straight back and then there was a runway and you went to your dressing room. But it was all wide open. And they had a, you know, back behind, they had a Molson buffet for the fans before the game. So Ray's still mouthing at the referee, and I scoot down underneath the stands, and I go down the runway, and I'm in his runway now. 
he hasn't even come out the runway yet. He's still mounting at the referee. So now it's really dark. He's gonna he's just gonna come out of the runway to head to his locker room. And I'm standing right outside his runway behind their bench. And he's looking one last time he looks down to see if I'm still on the bench, but I'm not there. And then he comes out. And I said, Hey, tough guy. I'm like two inches in front of him. And I just drilled him right in the face. Down he goes. So now we're behind the stands at the Pacific Coliseum. Rubber mats and then concrete and then a buffet. So we're fighting. I got him down and I'm choking him. And I got him around the neck and I'm drilling him on top of just giving it to him. And I'm just enjoying myself. And this big hand comes down and gets me on the shoulder. And I look, it's Pat Quinn. And Pat's like, okay, enough. And both Razor and I realize, oh, it's not good. Pat Quinn's back here. So I get up, I get off Ray, and I go back, and I walk down my aisle to go to my bench, and Ray goes to his bench. And Pat goes back on the bench to finish the game. No one ever heard anything of it. All good. <laughs> so, That's awesome. You wouldn't get away with that. That's old-time hockey. Yeah, exactly. These days, everything's videotaped. Uh, oh, yeah. The sparks would have been flying, you know, like another time, same thing. New rink in Vancouver. We're playing Hartford, and they had uh, Jeff Daniels and, and Mark Jansen. Mark Jansen? Yeah. Can I think it's Mark Jansen. Yeah. I think yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, they're 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 tough guys, and I'm out there by myself. No Gino, no, uh, no Antoski, uh, or no nobody. Me. So they surround me during uh, after the whistle, and I'm like these two guys here, and he's talking, he's talking. I'm like, well, who am I dealing with here? So I look at him, and this guy punches me. I'm like, really. And I look, I look at him, and this guy punches me. So now I've got two guys suckering me. I'm like, oh, man. So now I go, my cat eyes are rolling back in my head, and I usually am in full control when I'm playing. That was not a moment. My, they were like a cash register. They're just like going, Tim, you've got to kill somebody right now. This guy and that guy, but you can't do it both. So I start, and so anyways, I make sure that I get thrown out of the game. And they get thrown out of the game. But the new rink in Vancouver, you go in the dressing room down your chute. To the right is the dressing room. To the left is the dentist's office. And that dentist's office is also connected through a door to the hallway for the visiting team. So when they have a dental problem, they can come into the dentist's office. So I, they, those guys are still mouthing the referees. I go through down the hallway into the dentist's office. Now I'm in their hallway. They come down the hallway. Hartford TV has this on video. And I'm in the hallway, and those guys came down, and they ran by me and went into the locker room. They didn't even want to talk to me. They, went, they, ran, they got in the locker room, and they went, ah, can't touch me here. Because, you know, across the threshold, you get, they give you life. So I'm calling them. I want them to come out in the hallway and have a little conversation, and they won't. Spineless individuals. So that was another time. 
Yeah, well, I've seen a couple clips on uh, YouTube. Of, I don't know if it was that exact game, but there was one where you went down the uh, – You didn't get in the change room. You tried to get in the change room. Yeah. People were guarding the, guarding the door. That's the time. Okay, good. We're going to – I wasn't – so I got called on the carpet. Brian Burke says, uh, Tim, um, you know, uh, you know, you, uh, I said, Brian, I was confused. I said, those two guys suckered me. I went into my locker room, make a left turn. I went the wrong way and I ended up opening the door and there I was. I didn't know where I was and because, and so I just was yelling at those guys because they were close by. And Brian goes, oh, okay. Well, that's a good one. So nothing happened. But anyways, thanks for a good story. I love that one. Tim, you fought some of the toughest guys in the league. Bob Probert, Semenko, McSorley, uh, Neelan, Bra uh, Donald Brashear, Ty Domi. Rob Ray. Rob Ray. Any of, the, any of them more memorable than the other? Oh, by far, uh, none of those guys. They, they, Probert was pretty tough, and he was hard to handle, and I'm still alive today. But the, the most memorable guy I've ever fought was Nick Fatio. Yeah. And Nick was – I was lucky enough to play with him. He was a great guy, under, unbelievable guy, and one tough dude, and strong, powerful – we're playing in New York, my first time in MSG. I don't remember what year it is, 83 or 84 or somewhere in there. And we beat them 5-2. I beat up Don Maloney. And um, there's 52 seconds left in the game. And Bob Johnson puts me out. And I'm like, okay. I thought I was going to get out of MSG alive without having to fight Nick Fatio. <laughs> Nick Fatio comes over the boards. I'm like, oh, God. Line up. I'm a right wing. He's left wing. And uh, he spears me right inside my groin, like right in the flesh, right beside my hip. And I'm like, oh, God, that hurt. And then he gives me the, come here. And I'm thinking, I'm stupid. I'm young. I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to hurry this up and get it over with. So I step forward. Nick reaches out, throws a punch, and I duck, and he hit me right on top of the head, right there, and it just blew my helmet off my head. And I went, oh, my God. And I ducked, and I grabbed him, and I wrestled him to the ground, and I went, thank God. And I got out of New York alive. But Nick, Nick, I saw him fight Craig Cox. Craig Cox wanted to fight me in Vancouver when Nick was playing in Calgary. Coxie was like Scooby-Doo. He's like, hey, Hans, come on, man, let's go. And I'm like, days, like days, man. I'm like, really, dude, I don't really want to fight you. Like, the game's over. So Nick goes, hey, Hans, no problem. I'll take care of him. Nick steps in, and Nick Nick's looks at him. He's kind of going like this, and he grabs him and punches him. He broke his orbital bone. And I was, that was in the days where you didn't have to go to your box. You could stand there and watch. I'm two feet away to this. He hit him right there on the left cheek and broke his orbital bone. And it was astonishing, the sound. And, the, and, and Coxie just – but Coxie, tough dude, he just kind of shakes it off and goes, 
Whoa. And he keeps fighting. <laughs> so, but Cliff, uh, um, Nick, Nick, pound for pound, like, if he ever hit you, he hurt you. You know, Probert, you could hit five or six times and he wouldn't feel it. And he'd be just happy to hit you five or six times. So, but Nick, he could really hurt you bad. Hey, uh, you scored your first goal in 83 against the Blues, uh, Colin. Do you remember it? Do you still have the puck? Yeah, still have the puck. And do remember it. Uh, like everybody, your first goal is uh, pretty memorable. And it happened, I think it was about 28 seconds into the game. And it was my second game. It was my first game in the Saddle Dome. It was only the second game played in the Saddle Dome. And uh, we were playing St. Louis. I was on line with Doug Risebrow and Dave Heinmarsh. And uh, Dougie Risebrow and I went down a two-on-one, and he fed me. And uh, Mike Leute came out of the net, and I had a whole empty net to shoot at. And it, it seemed like it happened so quick, but it seemed like it took forever for the puck to go in the net. <laughs> and that might be the truth if you've seen my shot. But uh, And I remember, you know, putting my arms up going, holy, you know, I can't believe it. I scored in the NHL. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, and you're so excited. And uh, I had this ear-to-ear grin and, you know, couldn't wait for the game to end, and, but ended up scoring another goal in that game. But uh, it was, yeah, it's pretty memorable. And uh, moments like that, you know, obviously it's your first time. And it's the only first that you have. So it was pretty special. And you hey, have Tim, the Tim, you still hold the um, – I'm sorry to cut you off, Colin. I didn't mean to. Um, Tim, you hold the record for most penalty minutes still as a flame. Correct? Oh, yeah. And that will never that, be broken. <laughs> no. No, and you, will, you won't see anybody uh, added to the nine guys that have 3,000 penalty minutes either. No, there's none of that hockey anymore. Thank God. Yeah, it keeps the players safe. Yeah. Colin, you didn't fight much, but uh, when you had to or you had to stick up for a teammate, you were always there. Um, I know you went with Rob Ramage and Lindy Ruff and Michael Pettit, I believe, correct? Yeah. Hold you know, on, Patter, Patter, before you answer, tell them your motto. And I was going to get into that, Hans. I was just going to say, my okay. motto was three fights a year. Uh, one in training camp, let them know you really want it because that's what they look for in training camp. One in mid-season, let them know you're still there. In one in playoffs, they remember, remember you over the summertime. So I, I sort of lived and died by that. <laughs> that's awesome. I wish I could have. <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorites, and Hunts, I don't know if you remember this one, but um, we were in Vancouver, and Garth Butcher had uh, taken some liberties with Hoke and Lube, so I jumped in, and I'm ready to fight Garth. And I fought Garth a couple of times, but and all of a sudden, you know, Garth had this look. It was like, and I'm going, I must have given it to him last time. You know, I don't remember that, but maybe it happened. All of a sudden, I, I felt this hand on my shoulder. It was Huntsy. He goes, don't worry, Patter, I got this one. <laughs> and oh, was, nice. <laughs> and Garth came. Garth got out of the box. He's got this black eye, and he looks at me as we line up, and he just said, F you, Patter. <laughs> I learned that from Nick. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Tim, good lesson to learn. Tim, did you just fight Brashier once? Or did you fight him a couple times? Uh, not, I'm not sure. I think I only fought him 
once. Um, fought him in van. Um, he asked me to fight about a thousand times, but I'm like, you know, I was like at the end of my career. I'm like, do I really need this? Yeah. Like, this is the one of the toughest dudes playing now, and I'm like, I just want to kind of enjoy my last season or yeah. two here. Yeah, you You're know, right. I don't want to have it end uh, prematurely. Tough dude. Um, I think I yeah. I'm not sure. You'd have to go to those sites. They have all that information. Yeah, we're trying to uh, we're yeah. trying to ask questions that we can pull the video on. So we, when we make the video of this, we can show the highlights. I can edit that. Yeah, part. yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of, one Crash, of favorite, Crash is a tough dude. One of our favorite Canucks, obviously, he's a fan favorite in Vancouver. Is uh, Gino Ojic? What do you got? Any stories about him? You know. Um, when I was in Quebec, I was in a contract situation, and um, I asked Pierre Paget if they had put me on waivers so I could go somewhere else because it wasn't going to work in Quebec, and he's kind of half-heartedly agreed to it. And uh, so my agent and I, we, we San Jose, Minnesota, and Vancouver were the three teams that we kind of – identified and we had just played Vancouver and Gina was a little bit hurt but he was still a young guy and still trying to find his way on how to do things and how to kind of and I said to my uh my agent I said you know I think I can really help Gino in Vancouver I could help you know the Minnesota situation would have been good and same with the San Jose situation but I really liked the situation in Vancouver and it worked out that uh, Minnesota picked me an hour late. Um, they were going to pick me cause they had the first choice, but Vancouver ended up getting me and it worked out great. So I, I was able to help Gino in a lot of ways and um, he didn't need a lot of help, but he, he did need a little bit of guidance and um what a great kid he's just uh um much underrated hockey player and great great guy um you know at the time was really immature like all young hockey players are and uh just a fun guy to be around fun guy to be with and uh fun guy to kind of help uh mentor um i wasn't a big fan of ruben with him but that was another story <laughs> the um <laughs> What did you think of those Canuck jerseys that were like the red salmon red ones that you wore a few times? Oh, I wasn't a fan of those. No, I'm a big horrible. fan of the, the the skate and the wheel. That's the best one, the white and black one. Those are the best jerseys, the Canuck jerseys. Uh, hey, the rest of Look at I got a Vancouver Canuck tattoo. <laughs> nice. Nice. Thank God it's up there. The yeah. Well, if I had won a uh, Stanley Cup with Vancouver, I had have a, I'd have a flame tattoo and a Canuck tattoo, but I only got a flame tattoo. <laughs> hey, Colin, you had a little injury th uh, trouble throughout your career, and then you ended up going to Europe. Uh, what made you call it quits? Uh, I had uh, suffered a, a severe broken ankle one year, and then I came right back and uh, uh, had a, a torn ACL, so I had major reconstructive surgery. And then got, you know, uh, was off a year, basically a year and a half, and then got traded to Buffalo. And 
uh, you know, the, the wheels just were, you know, things were starting to fall apart and, uh, it was just time to, to end it. Um, Anaheim was coming into the league at that time. I thought maybe I'd catch on there for one more year. And that's all you want is, you know, when you get near the end, you just want one more year, one more year, one more year. And, you know, we were, we were talking about maybe coming to, to camp on a tryout basis. And Neil Sheehy, who played with Huntsy and I in, in Calgary, was over in a place called Slovenia and in a city called Ljubljana. And he, they were looking for a guy. And so he phoned me up and he said, uh, you know, I, I can only, you know, it's only open for about half an hour. If you want to go, uh, you got to let me know. And so I just said, well, be a great experience, great way to wind down the career. And it, it was the best thing that I think I, I did for myself for hockey. Because uh, when you get in the NHL, uh, you play a role, whether it's a role you want to play or not. And you don't get to play hockey a lot of times the way you want to play. And being a defensive forward meant, you know, you're a defensive forward. Uh, but I, I did enjoy scoring, uh, but it didn't happen much when you're a defensive forward. So going over to Slovenia, I was able to play, you know, play power play, play penalty killing, double shift and play, you know, start a game, end of the game. It was really good and really enjoyable. And it was a, it was a fabulous way for me to, to wind down from the game. Because a lot of guys get out of the game disliking the game. Uh, I got out and said, you know what? The you know the game's done me well, and uh, I had no complaints about it. A lot of guys say that about uh, going to Europe and finishing their career there. A lot of people love it. Even like Theo was saying how much he loved it, just going over there and getting a whole another concept on life. Yeah, it's it's a great way to you know to travel Europe too to see Europe. And we played two games a week. It was fantastic. And you know on the weekends after our Friday night game. Um, I'd be out of the, you know, you'd start at six and I'd be done with a full massage by about eight o'clock. Uh, the full time masseuse there, I wasn't going to, I had to take advantage of that. And then you go up and meet with the sponsors and then, you know, the, you didn't practice till, you know, late Sunday night. So we'd pack up the family. We had our three kids and my wife and we tour around and they supplied, you know, a vehicle and, and a house for us and, uh, you know, and groceries. It was really good. It was a really neat, neat experience. That's awesome. Hey, Tim, you've done a lot of coaching since retiring, NHL, World Juniors, and the WHL most recently. Are you planning on getting back into it if the right opportunity comes your way? Yeah, it has to be the right opportunity. I've, I've been at it a long time. I've been very fortunate. I've never worked a day in my life. So um, you know, playing hockey and coaching, and uh, so I'm on the downslope as far as that. Uh, a few things going, a few interviews, but never know. So uh, retirement's most likely on the horizon and uh, probably do a little bit of coaching through all that, but, uh, or get in the scouting racket. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, you can't do it forever. Uh, there's a lot of young people coming along. Things uh, change, but I had a great, uh, great career playing and coaching for, uh, better part of 40 years and like i said i've never had to work uh, so i'm pretty fortunate so while we're on that note um good canuck prospect jet woo can you tell us some good things about him and what we should expect if we still have him a jet's a good good player he's he's going to get better um jet's not going to be a top four defenseman he's going to be a, a four five 
Um, he's not going to be a power play guy. He's going to be a, he's a, he's got a lot of old school in him. He likes to lay guys out, open ice hits and play hard. Um, you know, real tough kid, great kid, love coaching him, very coachable, um, great relationship with him and his family. Uh, just love him. And, uh, I hope he, uh, gets over the hump and uh, is able to play. There's a fine line of being a prospect and being a player. And uh, uh, he works hard. He's diligent. Uh, and I sure hope he makes it because, uh, you know, I over the years that I've coached him, you get all those co- uh, calls from scouts and they're always asking you what should he, what he's going to be. And, you know, was, that's my projection as a, as a four five. Um, and uh, a real good stopper, a real good character guy, and uh, fans of Vancouver will love him when he plays there. That's for sure. We met him a few times, like I said to you earlier, outside the at the Giants games. We always came to watch Jet Wu every time, and we I was a big fan of his, and the way he plays is something we would like in Vancouver, I think, and I hope he gets a good chance as well, but... We'll see what happens. That edge he plays with reminds me of like a Bieksa type. He uh, he's right in your face. He'll he'll fight if he has to. He's got some offensive game. Yeah, no question. He, he sure does. He's uh, you know in junior these kids will play they run the power play and the big quarterback and it's kind of yeah. what you have and you try to put them in those positions so they can improve their puck skills and. Um, you know, I had Vancouver guys come in and they're going like, Hans, why are you going to run the power player going? Cause I'm trying to improve his puck skills. I'm trying to develop him. Well, you know, he's not going to be a power play guy in the NHL. I said, but how am I going to develop his puck skills unless he, he, uh, is, has to go above and beyond, uh, what he has to do with the puck. So, um, that's my point. Um, but you know, um, these kids take leaps and bounds in the years that they're drafted until they're 21, 22 and, and their, their growth, their maturity, the maturity is the biggest thing. Um, you know, who they are as people and how serious they take their training and then their, their physique changes, uh, exponentially. So, uh, Jets, uh, man, uh, he was a man when he got drafted and he's going to be a beast when he, when he plays in the NHL. So, um, you know, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of Shea Weber, PK Subban kind of body. I don't know if he could shoot yeah. that hard or, or lift that many weights in one day, but, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be a good player. I definitely see that too. The Shea Weber Subban comparison. I see what you're saying there. You Another didn't case. get my little, little thing on PK and how many times he's on the, Web lifting weights. You didn't get that part. No, no, <laughs> it went right over his head. <laughs> All I was thinking about was what I was going to ask you next. <laughs> another, another kid that you coached last year. I know you probably don't want to talk too much about your coaching, but another kid that we really like and we just had on recently is Damon Hunt, and I think he's going to have a great career in hockey too. The kid's a stud. Oh yeah, Damon is. Uh... He's a Morgan Riley. Um, just question on how much skill he has with the puck. Another guy, 
no team in the WHL had a 17-year-old run their power play last year. The Moose Jaw Warriors did because that's where I put them because you want them to improve and you want them to, to uh, show a skill. Um, but another great kid, different kid physically, not as big and not as physical, but beautiful edges, beautiful skating, um, coachable, wonderful kid, great family. Um, and I missed out coaching Morgan Rally because he came through Moose Jaw before I got here. But a lot of the same characteristics, a guy that moves the puck, sees the play well, is creative, is a great person, great teammate, and competes beyond his size and is very um, not underrated but um, unheralded. Like, you, you, you're going to watch this guy play and you're going to go, God, he's so much better than he really looks. Um, he, he's a really good player. So I hope good things for Damon Hunt. Yeah. And, and, and Moose Jaw has another player very similar, and he's a little ways away. His name's uh, Denton Matejchuk, another Manitoba kid, because we had Josh Brook, Jet Wu, yeah. Damon Hunt, Denton Matejchuk, all from Manitoba. He's going to be a great player. He's, he's um, better with the puck than Jet and Damon but not as big. Um, and he's as good a skater as all those guys. Um, so um, interesting. So fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Colin, do you uh, keep up with hockey much these days? Obviously not during the COVID, but uh, other than that, do you keep up? Do you watch? Do you have a favorite player? Are you playing in the alumni? Yeah, we do. We play in the alumni. We have an alumni skate every once in a while where we just have guys from the alumni go and play and uh, that is a lot of fun, uh, although the guys are getting younger and faster. You know, you get guys like Mason Raymond and Chris Colano's coming out. Um, the pace picks up a bit. And I remember I came home one day and my face was just beet red. My wife goes, what happened? I said, I almost died twice. <laughs> what, what, what was it, you know, did you fall or whatever? I said, no, no. I said, I got the puck and Chris Colano's was behind me. And I could hear him cackling. I said, there's no way he's going to catch me. So I went as hard as I could and he didn't catch me, which was great. That was when I first, I almost died there. And then the second time was I stopped and I was like, <laughs> my heart, I thought it was coming out of my, my Jersey, but we have a lot of fun doing it. And I still follow the NHL, obviously, uh, you know, you hope for the flames and uh, you know, and you, you follow players of, you know, guys that you played with whose kids are playing now. And, and right. look at that, you go, that's what, uh, you know, that's what keeps you interested in the game. And as I said, you know, hopefully when things come back and they get the league going again, uh, it'll be interesting how it goes. But I think it'll be a lot of fun. And I think it's, uh, you know, there's any team can win at this point. You, know, you just need a hot goalie and, and get off to a quick start. Does Tim play in the alumni games too or no? Sorry? Does Tim play in the alumni games too or no? Tim, Tim plays in every once in a while when he's, uh, cause he's in Moose Jaw still, <clears throat> excuse me. So we just get the ice at the dome, but if he's in town, you know, he, he comes out and that's, it's great. We have a really good group of guys. Our alumni is a little different than others where we have guys in our alumni that didn't necessarily play for the flames, but played in the NHL, but live in Calgary. So 
Okay. Uh, we have a good mix, a uh, good mix of guys, and we do a lot of good work for charities. Awesome. Yeah, I see uh, Lanny McDonald is still out there skating too. Oh yeah, he's great. You know, and he, he just got a, a knee replacement or a partial knee replacement a few years ago, but uh, he's still going, and he loves to shoot the puck. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's still got it. That's for sure. What are you up? What are you up to these days, by the way? Uh, I've got a little business. Uh, do a few different things, and uh, it's in the rental game, and it's a little tough right now. But uh, things will come back, no question. He's real. Hey, I wanted to ask you about Mason Raymond playing for the alumni team, a good Canuck guy. Yeah. He's still got it, right? I just ran into him at the Sedin retirement night, and I, we were chatting a little bit, and we had just seen him at Hockey Helped Homeless the week before. Yeah. But uh, he, he, he still got a little bit of hands, doesn't he? Yes, a little bit of hands and a little bit of wheels, too. He's, yeah. he's a great player and great kid. He gives a lot back to the community, and you know, you think when, when you know, Huntsy and I, you know, are the same vintage, uh, you think of the younger guys who are just retiring. You don't think they're going to want to jump in and be part of the alumni, especially with the older guys, but they do. And they want to they wanna make a difference within the community, within the charities. And they love sitting around and they love listening to the old stories and the guys banter back and forth. And I think that's the biggest thing about going down to these alumni skates is, you know, after, after the – the ice time is, is the chirping that goes on in the dressing room. That's, that's the most fun. Hey, hey Tim, how much uh, Canucks memorabilia you still got? Oh, all kinds. I got a raft of sticks and jerseys and, you know, a couple trophies and uh, pucks and too much awesome. stuff. Awesome. It's, it's, it, memorabilia is great, but you know what? As you get older, it just becomes stuff you got to cart around and collect dust. And, you know, like the, the best things are the memories and the people. You got a few things like I had all these jerseys and, you know, I asked my daughters, do you want them? They're like, no, we don't want them. So I got rid of a bunch of stuff and I'm getting rid of more stuff all the time because I just, you know, you know, I, it, it's another phase of your life. Like, I got lots of people come over and go, yeah, they want to see it all, you know, but it's, I have, I don't have it on the walls, like my main walls. It's in the hallway up my stairwell. So you come in my, my house, you can't see anything, but you go up the stairwell, that's where it all is. So if it doesn't fit in the stairwell, it's getting sold. Yeah. When we interviewed Kelly Rudy a couple of weeks ago, he was telling us the same story, how he's got this whole like storage unit full of all his memorabilia and Gretzky taught him to keep that, to or orchestrate into his contract that you get to keep all your gear so you can memorabilia one day. And uh, they told us he had 450 sticks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I just saw, um, like I get guys calling me and they go, so do you want to sell this? Do you want to sell that? And you know, everything's for sale for the right price. Um, obviously like if somebody wants to pay me whatever. Um, so this guy's been trying to buy some stuff off me. And, um, and I said, I said, I'll tell you what, there's an auction right now. Bob Ganey has 
taken all his Stanley Cup, mini Stanley Cups, his rings, some jerseys, his Prince of Wales trophies, his Campbell Conference trophies, and he's donating all the proceeds to a hospital in Peterborough or somewhere out in the Ontario. It's on an auction site. So you go and follow those auction sites and what those trophies are selling for, like kind, like mine, I'll sell you mine for the same kind of thing. You know, so a lot of guys are getting rid of their stuff. Like, and they said, well, why are you selling this stuff, uh, Bobby? He says, you know, it was a different time in my life. Now we got grandkids or we, you know, we're downsizing. I got a condo. I don't have a big house anymore. And it just, it's just stuff that's just in boxes and um, it takes some space. But if there's guys that really, truly are collectors and they want the stuff, let them have it. Get the money. Um, you know, I do some of the stuff I sold. I, I do about a, a third to two thirds. I keep two thirds and I give a third away. Um, so, you know, it's hard to get rid of, you know, special things because, you, you know, they're, you know, I'm not getting rid of my Stanley Cup ring no, uh, or my mini Stanley that. My mini Stanley Cup, but jerseys and stuff, you know, I got enough jersey cases. I just, you know, like, so um, more and more guys you see, especially of our vintage, Patter and I, 55 to 65, they're getting, they're selling their stuff, you know, um, and it goes to good places. Guys are real serious collectors. Hey, Colin, how about you? I'm sure you got a bunch of stuff too, eh? No, I, I'm like Hunts as well. You know, I, there was a time when I was collecting a bunch of stuff, but then you end up giving it away. And But I, I did collect a, a couple of things. And one of the best things I did was during the year we won the cup in 89, uh, 88, 89, I collect, there's a guy, Al Hare. Remember him, Hunts? He was a guy who made yeah. benches. So he, yeah. he'd sticks. he'd take broken sticks and make benches out of them. So I said, you know what, Al, I'd love to have a bench. He goes, well, why don't you collect some sticks? You know, uh, so I got a stick from every guy on that team, and he made a bench for me. Wow. And I, that was the best thing I did. And then I bought some chairs from the Montreal Forum. Yeah. And, you know, ended up giving them, you know, away to a couple different people and then putting them there. There's there one right there. Yeah. And, you know, that, that is sort of special, too. Um, and those, you know, there's pictures that are great. You know, one of my favorite pictures, and Hunsey, uh, I don't know, we were in the corral, and we were practicing, but we had like five of us out on the ice, early five or six guys, and we all decided to switch sticks so that we were shooting the other way. And I've got that picture. picture of it. Yeah, and that's a great picture. It's sort of one of those impromptu ones, but it was one of those yeah. ones you go, oh, it's great, you know, and, and people look yeah, at it. That was fun. Yeah. So there's stuff like that that you have that you go, yeah, I'll keep. Uh, back in our day, you know, we didn't get to keep our jerseys, our game jerseys. And uh, my last contract with the Flames, I asked for uh, 10 of my jerseys because I had, you know, I was probably too cheap to buy the jersey anyway. So uh, I got them in this contract and I gave them to, you know, family and friends. And otherwise, you, you didn't get any jerseys. And and I can tell you, they weren't making many Patterson jerseys that you could buy off the shelf. So, uh, 
Yeah, Kelly Rudy was telling us that he called the Wayne Gretzky rule, but I guess when Wayne went to L.A., they both kind of went at the same time, and Wayne said to him, make sure you get this in your contract that you can keep all your jerseys and all your gear. And I guess from then, that day forward, he did that, and that's why he has such amazing stuff put away. I mean, he's got all his helmets and everything. He's got a C-span full of things. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, you know, but, again, the same thing. I mean, what's what's it doing in a C-can, you know, like uh, – you know, I, I got this. I, I had uh, I had a seat oh, from every uh, all the original six stadiums, and um, I coached with Ron Wilson, and Ron's dad and Ron's uncle played in the late '40s and '50s Chicago and Detroit, and I gave um, I kept the Montreal one, but the other five I gave to Ron every year for Christmas. And Ron just just loved it. He just thought it was the coolest thing to get Chicago Stadium jersey where his dad played and a, an old Olympia jersey where his, where his uncle played and his dad played and, and a Toronto uh, Maple Leaf Garden uh, seat from where, where, where he played and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, was, I would go to the trainer and I'd say, yeah, I'm trying to get a – Maple Leaf Garden seat. Uh, guy wants a capital jersey. Can you give me something I could trade? And so I did things like that. And I got all kinds of sticks right now. I got a bunch of sticks. I'm trying to decide what to do with them. I got, you know, like I got a Brad McCrimmon signed stick. And, you know, Brad, uh, uh, tragical uh, situation, tragic situation. You know, I, I don't know if I should just give it to the family. I don't know if. Kelly wants it, the family wants it, or what I should do with it. I got Boris Salming and Brad Hall, all these sticks. And, you know, I just, just taking, they're just collecting dust in my garage. You know, I got guys come over and go, they want to look at them, but, you know, what do you do? And um, those kind of things it's, mean more to, those kind of things mean more to obviously fans because you guys, you guys had that stuff. It was your stuff. And one thing, yeah, yeah, we, we, we lived it. Uh, we, we played with those guys. Uh, we got the stories to go along with uh, the Brad Halls of the world when he was in Calgary for a brief time. And, yeah, he was. Um, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, I, I think the stories uh, and, you know, obviously the Stanley Cup rings and the Stanley Cup, mini Stanley Cup because of what we did with, with uh, our group this year. Passing that along was really special. There's only one of those, um, and your name's on the cup indelibly forever. So those kind of things. Jerseys are just, yeah, you know, I, I guess if I wanted to start a sports bar, I had a good start, but yeah. I really don't want to do that. Yeah. So, um, but, but the stories, I, I, I know Patter had the, had the seat and got it signed by all the guys, and that was pretty cool. I wish I had brought mine. Um, that was a cool idea, Patter. I remember you bringing that uh, seat into into the room and getting all the guys to sign it. But uh, hey, don't ever get rid of that good. bench, Colin. That's a pretty cool and unique idea. Yeah, you know, and make it's sure one of those. That, make sure that gets passed down with the family because that's a one of a kind. That's for sure. Yeah, and they'll, and they'll give it away. It might be firewood thing. one night. Yeah. yeah. There's no pallets left. Let's throw on the fire. 
Yeah, that's what Kelly was saying, that he's at the point where he's got all this stuff and he's ready to either ask the daughters if they want it or else he's got to start selling stuff because he kept it for so many years and the most important people want it are his family is his first choice. But if not, then like it's taking up dust. Hey, Tim and Colin, I just want to thank you guys so much for coming out today. We really, really appreciate it. You guys took a lot of time out of your day to help us out here and talk to us. And we got to hear some great stories, obviously, that we didn't get to live that time. So they're pretty awesome. Well, thanks for having us. And uh, sorry, a little late, but no, that's not a problem. We can give us a second or two to get a jump start on Tim. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. A pleasure. And uh, good seeing you, Patter, and uh, good saying hello and uh, say hello to Sherry and your family for us. Yeah, Saturday, Kim, and I guess uh, the girls have been talking out in Vancouver, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, Kelsey's on her way, so yeah. hopefully uh, she can. Uh, she's going to go out in the middle of July and try to find a place, so maybe uh, Steph can help her, and that'd be great. Yeah, I know they've been chatting, so that's good. Yeah. Do you guys mind just doing a little shout out if possible? If you guys could just say your name. This is off air anyway. Yeah, we're gonna cut we're gonna cut it before you named your daughters yeah. and stuff. If you guys yeah, that's all cut out, don't worry. Uh we just want yeah. you guys to say if possible, if you can just say your guys' name and just say I was just on I only touch greatness podcast. You did what? I just that you were on I only touch greatness podcast. Okay. Just say like I'm Tim Hunter and I was just on I only touch greatness podcast. Hi, I'm Tim Hunter, and I only touch. I was just on I Only Touch Greatness podcast. Thank you, Tim. I'm Colin Patterson, and I was on I Only Touch Greatness podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, very much, and have a good night. We appreciate this a lot. Thank you very much. It means the world to us, man. Thank you, guys. Hey, cheers. All right. Take See it easy.